the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. Hello, listeners. I'm Alec. This is my brother, Lou. And we're here to talk about dungeons, dungeons, and more dungeons. Oh, add a dice roll sound effect here. Shake, uh, shake, okay. sh- shake, shake. Do you actually just have real dice that you just used for that? Yeah, this is going to be an episode where we learn a lot about my personal Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> unfortunately. I'm like, you did not just have an actual pair of dice already sitting right next to you to do that, did you? <laughs> so, let's talk about this, right? This episode is all about Dungeons and Dragons people, or rather, sorry, the Gravity Falls version of the game. Dungeons, Dungeons, and more Dungeons, as I said previously. Uh, and I find it very funny. Uh, because of how often uh, they make fun of the thing that I love very much. Um, and yes. I'm excited to talk it through today. In a, in a very loving way, I'd also like to say. N- none of the fun making is being done in a... Uh, uh, it seems like it was written by people who play the game. Let's say that. That is definitely true. Uh, I-, I never felt like they were coming for it so hard that it wasn't funny to me. Basically, every single joke landed. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because I feel like this episode was very light compared to the heaviness which we've gotten uh, over the last couple, which I liked. I, you know, I did too. I, I When I watched it, I was having like, I had had the busiest work day. I'd just been stressed from a bunch of things. And like, I don't know if I just felt like I, I needed it personally, but or if it was actually from the pacing of the show. But it was, uh, it felt like quite the relief for me, you know? Yeah, it, it's interesting because... We get the author for such a small amount. We can call him Ford at this point. Uh, We get Ford for such a small amount of the show, all things considered. And I saw this episode immediately following all the lore. I'm like, really? We're kind of just going to... I don't want to call it a formulaic episode because it's not. Um, More like a Fordulaic. Ah! (laughs) Got him. Uh, (laughs) I feel like... At first, this seemed like it was uh, a low-energy episode compared to what is necessary to really move the show forward into these last seven episodes. But I totally had a different take when I actually watched it because I I feel like this was a very important episode to set up the friendship of Dipper and Ford uh, and sort of get us where we need to be so that these character dynamics actually mean something when we get into the actual lore-heavy episodes that include Ford going forward. Jeez, I must have been stressed when I wrote this. I didn't even think about that, but that is such a solid point. Like, you're right. We really need a little bit more emotional characteristics from uh, Ford and the contrast between him and Stan to get a better, yeah, have more impact when we do start getting into the heavy stuff. Wow, I can't believe I didn't think about that. That's like obviously the best reason for this episode existing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I do feel like um, it it serves a really important purpose uh for us to get to understand who ford is like you sort of mentioned yeah you know we don't we don't know this guy really we we know a couple things we got a backstory in the last episode but who is he now uh and how much of himself from the past has carried over into his current self and i really liked seeing that part of it and i liked seeing how similar him and dipper were in a lot of ways whether that's going to be to dipper's detriment i think is going to be interesting to track Definitely. Well, and at the very beginning of this episode, I think it kind of shows, it, it sets a good foundation for the logic of these 
characters and how they're interacting with each other. Because the first thing that we see is, you know, Ford comes out of his, you know, the laboratory and all Dipper wants is to hang out with him, help him with this project. And, you know, he's like wrestling with some like green tentacle creature. And Dipper's like, oh, I know everything about this. I read your entry in the book. You know what I mean? And Grunkle Stan very much just gives him a hard like, hey, man, you really shouldn't be messing with this guy. He's dangerous. You know, and let me just say, I looked everywhere in the journal for this cycloptopus, as it was coined in the show. Huh? I wasn't able to find it. Uh, wow. So I don't know if I, I bet the listeners immediately will be able to say, oh, it's on this page. You just looked in the wrong section. But I was looking through Ford's entries and I wasn't able to to find it. So uh, I don't I bet it's not a continuity error. I bet that somehow I just missed it scrolling through. But just yeah. putting that out there, I looked. Um <laughs> Let's talk about the episode. Uh, so yes, the mystery shack, we see a, t- a sign to start the episode that it's temporarily closed. So in surprising fashion to me, uh, Stan has decided not to make money for a little bit while they figure out the interpersonal dynamics that are at play here after all of the wild uh, stuff that happened over the last few episodes. And uh, most importantly, there is a new episode of Duck Duck Detective. Just Duck Detective, right? Or is it Whatever. Duck Duck Detective? I don't know. Or I was duck, thinking. Duck, I was thinking Duck Duck Go because that's the browser that I have up on my computer right now. And I, and I was thinking Goose Goose Duck because that is a game that I occasionally play. Huh. But most importantly, that. Yes, Duck Detective <laughs> is happening, and Mabel, having her great Lazy Tuesday, uh, is prepping emotionally, I guess, as uh, Stan is ready for a day with nothing interesting. Uh, so this is when we get this sequence of uh, Ford coming in with this octopus that sort of breaks up all of the chill. Uh, yeah, the chill moment <laughs> is sort of happening there. Uh, we think he kills it. Later we see that it seems he didn't really kill it. He just like fried it with his electric gloves, maybe paralyzed it temporarily. But it looks pretty fried. Yeah, it, it looked messed up. But uh, it's alive, I guess. Dipper offers help. And he wants to help so bad, but Ford has a great line. The dark, weird road I travel, I'm afraid you can't follow. See you at dinner. (laughs) Uh, And Dipper's upset because he really wants to be able to meet Ford and really get to know him. And I think there's an element of he wants to prove himself. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, wait... Somebody who might finally take my interest seriously. I really want to prove to him that I'm not just a kid and that I've got some intellect and, you know, adventure skills. Absolutely. Uh, Stan and Mabel are trying to, I don't want to say make him feel better exactly. Stan is just reaffirming. Hey, look, he's messing with dangerous stuff. You got to stay away from that. Um, I guess Mabel is trying to make him feel better with Duck Detective saying, hey, the finale's Friday. Get pumped. And they start like chanting or something. They quack. Quack, quack. that's right. Quack, quack, quack. The quack chant. Quack. Why isn't he quacking? Quack, 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 quack. Happy. That, that was the line from the show, but it, it worked. Oh, well, Dipper's <laughs> mind is occupied regardless, and this quacking is not getting through to him. He, his mind is very much... Uh, I, I think he even has a line like, you know, I've been trying to find all these mysteries. The author's finally here, and I can't even talk to him. Um, he probably also doesn't realize that Stan and Ford have this private conversation which was Stan basically telling him, you got to stay away from these kids. Like, uh, so I'm sure that Ford, to some degree, doesn't want to talk because he's trying to honor Stan's wishes. And they sort of had a bit of a deal. 
Well, and to be fair, if you're Ford and you just dropped in from a parallel universe, it's pretty unlikely that a 12-year-old should get involved in any of this stuff, even if they are interested in sci-fi, you know? True, and you kind of have other priorities. Like, you are yeah. dealing with being back in the real dimension that you're, I shouldn't say real, the dimension that you have grown up in after years and years of being parallel dimension hopping, essentially. I think yeah. it's gonna, there's gonna be some trauma associated with that. Yeah, and also he's trying to fix the, or not maybe not fix, but do something with the portal. We find out another thing at the end of this episode he's trying to deal with. So homie's got a lot on his plate. I'm not trying to fault him for not wanting to just include a 12-year-old on his adventures. That is true. So that's the setup for this episode. Dipper wants to get to know Ford, but he feels like he can't. And Ducktective is going on. I think that is important to keep track of. <laughs> Ducktective is, is very important, everybody. Quack. Quack. Mabel writes a letter to her parents in the next scene. She's talking about gravity reversing itself, almost wrecking the town. She literally includes in there that, oh, wow, the twin brother is back. And again, we have questions about whether the the mother actually even knows that there is a twin in the first place. So she might just think that Mabel is being Mabel. That's what I would expect. Yeah, I, I honestly was looking at that letter and hearing her write it. And I'm like, uh, I feel like that's something you'd either just straight up not believe if you were the parent or be extremely concerned about if you did believe it and come right out there to get them from that place. Sure. By the way, I think I saw something on uh, Discord people chatting about this last week where uh, we interpreted in the backstory episode that the baby in the arms of Stan and Ford's parents was the mother of Dipper and Mabel. It sounds yes. like, from what I gather, that is a very complicated, like, fan-debated issue that yeah. maybe it is, maybe it's not. I started looking some... into it, and from what it looks like, the the writers have not made a comment about it because they realize they may have messed up the timeline a little bit. So it's better to just say nothing. Um, I think the implication was supposed to be that it was the do that it was their parents, but like, eh, who cares? Fair enough. That's where we'll <laughs> leave it. Uh, so we do get a montage. I, I guess more like a news report. While uh, Mabel's writing this le letter, we see Lazy Susan's diner is destroyed, and the mayor ensuring that the town of Gravity Falls will be rebuilt. And I think this is just sort of a way to remind the audience: Hey, Gravity Falls as a town had some very serious things that happened as a result of everything that went on in the last couple episodes, and we don't want the audience to forget that. Yeah, Lazy Susan makes a funny joke about uh, how the town turned upside down. I should be serving up right side up cake, right? Right? I love that she's taking it so well. Like, should I? Is this my new marketing tactic? Is, Listen, is it, and I love I that. Advertising? Joke a little bit, have some levity in the face of your diner being destroyed. You know, own that. What else are you going to uh, do? Dipper comes through the room. He says he has found his favorite game. He's so excited. Dungeons, Dungeons, and Dungeons. I'm going to just start saying DD&D because I can't possibly uh, keep doing this. It's King DDD. Uh, <laughs> you got Super Smash Brothers on the mind, don't you? I always have Super Smash Brothers on the mind. Fair. Well, <laughs> Mabel asks, oh, okay, that sounds fun. How do you play? Uh, and Dipper starts explaining, oh, you roll a 38-sided die. The rules are simple. <laughs> yeah, they're so easy. He starts getting into all the math. And she's like, that kind of sounds more like homework than a game. And homework the game specifically. 
I <laughs> I think that that is a fair take, having played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons sometimes. You know, that that I will say, he, Alec has played a lot more D and D than I have. I've played like one uh, one thing of D and D where I was practically just a guest character because I don't have time to sign up for someone's campaign. And then I played another uh, similar kind of game that my friend invented, actually, um, that was designed to be a little bit less homeworky, so that you could just kind of drop in and and make it up, essentially. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got to say, the only barrier to entry for me in that game really is uh, just time commitment and how much prep work you sometimes need to do. Sure. So I actually tried uh, being an actual DM, a dungeon master, for a while. And yes. at the end of the day, I knew what the time commitment was, and it still overwhelmed me. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, being a player is a lot easier. And if you can sort of get yourself at a place where you understand the game, I think getting started is very intimidating. But then you're kind of just showing up every week, and maybe you have to do some some back-end prep work, but not, not that much. Um, but for those who don't know D&D that well, it does look very intimidating from the outside looking in, and it does feel like it's a lot to learn. Because you almost have to immerse yourself a little bit in the beginning to really be able to have fun with it and take off. If you walk in and you don't know anything and you never learn it, it's just going to feel like... I, I hate to say it, like three hours of your time wasted. And I've been in that boat too. The first time I ever tried to enter a campaign, I felt ill-prepared. Oh, so, really? I mean, I was ill-prepared for sure my first time, but I had a great time just shouting, I cast spell of mess up your stuff or whatever. Right, but that was without a long-term commitment also. You were just dropping in for an episode. That's true. Uh, you know, I think that's the difference. But uh, I will say that when you really can get into a group that is really fun, really loves it, I seriously like do recommend it for people as a way to just get together with people every week and have a really fun social activity that you can be really invested in. I couldn't say enough good things about it. I will say I agree with you and the role playing element makes it really fun for like actor types too. Like I I'm, I think it's pretty good time. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm going to invest like a, a ton of knowledge into knowing a game, I'd probably go card game routes like Lorcana just came out. And honestly, I kind of want to play more Lorcana. <laughs> oh, me too. I, I showed him that game. It's a new Disney trading card game that is very yeah. hard to find right now because the demand is so high. Well, and it's it's shape, shaping up to be a really good game because a lot of the people that play like the One Piece TCG and uh, and um, Magic the Gathering are actually playing Lorcana on stream now. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I... I know that uh, it's had a lot of love uh, on Twitch and streaming, so uh, happy yeah. to hear that. Um, yeah. And listen, I, I want to see the competitive meta develop. I'm interested. Oh, see, I, okay. Here's the thing, though. I hate the competitive meta. And let's expand this into D&D. Um, this is, to me, where D&D can stop being as much fun, because we get a lot of the math in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Right? We, and they, they joke about that a lot. It's like, oh, look at how much it is. And some people get really into it, and they love that part of it. And I feel like it can be off-putting for those of us who are just there to have a good time. Um, you do need to know the rules a little bit, but I think that there's flexibility. It depends on what kind of campaign you're into. Alex is um, much more of a casual... Not just gamer, but you like enjoying most things much more casually. I, I like to get That's as so into true. I like to get as into anything as I can as I get into it. Like if I play, I, I don't just play Super Smash Bros. I watch tournaments. I literally watch videos on how to do tech. Like I'm really interested in getting better, and I'm kind of the same way about any game that I play, really. <laughs> And I think that's why I really needed to fall into D&D &D at the right time in the right way, because this is a game that for me would be very hard. And yeah. 
as I learned, I'm too casual to be able to be a DM, you know, at least totally. for a group that expects the it to be well run, to be honest. Well, uh, another cool thing that we see that I imagine you could do casually, that not that I've looked that much into it, is LARPing, which Seuss does with the cops from Gravity Falls and Toby. Well, to be fair, he actually Faclorps, which is foam and cardboard legitimate outdoor role-playing, which is That's different than the live-action role-playing that you were talking about in our real life of Earth. That's pretty funny. But it's LARPing. It is very. It's LARPing. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, no shame to LARPers. I know a lot of people who really love doing that as well. It's a yeah. really good social activity. Listen, oh, if you're going really to be cool. LARPing instead of, you know, not socializing whatsoever and not being yeah. happy at you home, heard, you not to call here. anybody out. You heard um, it here, Alec. He, he recommends LARPing as one step up to total social isolation. <laughs> Stop. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I just I just mean that you know, most forms of social activity are great. Like, if this is something that gives people joy, then I am all about enabling so many different types of nerdiness is what I'm trying Absolutely. to get at. No, I'm, I'm just playing. No, I was roommates with somebody who was into LARPing, and I went with them one time. It's actually a blast. It's really fun. I wouldn't decide at all. Cool, cool. That's that's great. Well, uh, regardless, uh, Mabel is not interested, but Stan walks in. Oh, and sorry, and Seuss isn't interested either because he prefers LARPing. Yes, uh, Stan Which walks in. Is also a huge commitment. Understandable that that's the kind of thing that you kind of got to pick one thing that you get super into. You know, I learned that lesson. You know, <laughs> trying to run D and D, play D and D, uh, learn how to play pickleball. Also, uh, do a YouTube show and a podcast. I'm like, I overapplied myself. What I I have not learned that lesson. I still try to put a hundred percent into a hundred different things. <laughs> yeah, well, we're both like that a little bit. I just stopped sooner. <laughs> I just have panic attacks. Uh, so Stan immediately recognizes this game. Uh, Dipper asks if Stan wants to play with him. Um, but no, because uh, Stan, of course, is immediately going to make fun of this. He says yeah. he prefers dice rolling with Vegas, that only a game designed by nerds would have charisma as a fantasy power. And I died. I gotta say, that's a pretty good joke. <laughs> So good, and good I one. feel especially called out that charisma is one of my favorite traits of the game to play with. <laughs> oh uh, so, yeah, he starts mocking lines from the game. Uh, Dipper, of course, feeling a little bit offended, is like, look, you can laugh all you want, you're just not smart enough to understand it. Which I think is half true, but not exactly true also. Um, I think it's a commitment issue, right? Yeah. Understanding D&D is not just about being smart enough to do it. It is about uh, being willing to commit yourself to actually learning it and being engaged enough with the process to do it. Because if totally. you're half in, you're not going to be in at all. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and again, making another comparison to like card games that I've gotten a little bit more into recently, you do need to be pretty smart. I I'm pretty bad at card games. Like I'm trying to get better. But, like, my God, there's so many elements to strategy with some of these. Now, granted, I'm learning from somebody who's actively engaged in the competitive meta, and I'm sure he sets it up to be a little bit more intense. Again, it's more fun for me to just play these things and pick cards I like, put them in a deck that seem fun to play, and have at it. That's until you lose seven times in a row. Right, well, and that's why I don't like playing with people that are that competitive, and I don't want to go <laughs> to a tournament, right? Like, I get That's that why I'm competitive, so that I don't lose. <laughs> For card games especially, you have to spend money to have yeah. a deck that is good enough to actually compete at the highest I'm level. so glad you said that. Sorry, this is important to mention. There's an online sim of the Lorcana game that you can get now if you want to play with full decks and all access to all cards without spending money. Yes, I have played a little bit. Hell with, uh, yes. 
uh, with the same person who uh, wrote the puzzle in the very first uh, season of Gravity Bros. Fun fact. Oh, cool! We I, I should download it too. I want to play with you. Sorry, everybody. These are important details we need to work out. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so Dipper can't get anybody to play with him. Uh, he is literally outside trying to play with the goat. And he decides, uh, maybe I should start obsessing over Wendy again as opposed to this. No. No, I... <laughs> I literally wrote in all caps, no, don't do that. Bad joke, stop it, Gravity Falls. <laughs> I know, like, that joke was written specifically for Lou. I know, dude. Uh, so as he's playing with the goat, he loses his 38-sided die under the mystery shack. Yes, 38-sided die, if I didn't already mention that, for DD and d I'd um, just like to point out, I wrote Dipper Falls into Basement, lol. Yep, that is what happens. And he finds the Cycloptopus again in a jar. Now we realize it's alive. Um, I guess its eye is closed, but it's more colorful than before. So I, I interpreted it as being alive. Well, I think he broke it out of the thing, didn't he? He did. Uh, yeah. But did it start crawling? I don't know. It, it In my memory, it's alive, and that's the canon that I'm going with in my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, it jumped on Ford's face. Again? Yeah. Hmm, Okay. Either way, uh, that uh, tells us that Ford is there. And he does start uh, saying again to Dipper, hey, I said this work is too dangerous. You should not be in here. But that is until Ford realizes that Dipper has dungeons, dungeons, and more dungeons with him. And my that is favorite his... game. Yeah. That's right. My favorite game in the multiverse, he said, which is high praise. That is high praise. I got to say, if somebody told me that they've traveled several dimensions, played thousands of different games, and that that was their favorite, I I'd probably give it a shot. I love that Ford in this moment is like, okay, well, this only means one thing. I've got to stop everything that I'm working on, no matter how important it is, and play this game. I like that, too. And again, like, I was having a stressful week, so all of these jokes about, like, hey, let's just play a game and stop worrying about stuff. I'm like, I needed this today. This is so nice. <laughs> yeah, well, and I do feel like this tells us a lot about Ford here, where he does understand the gravity of a lot of these things, but he's still such a nerd at heart, and it brings him a lot of joy to have this kind of levity in the midst of all of the really insane things that he's gone through. Yeah, to find this, like, gruff sci-fi action warrior hop out of a portal, just drop everything he's doing to play Dungeons & Dragons, or, you know, the, the D King DDD. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it, it was kind of refreshing. I'm like, this is the kind of personality that it's really lovely to see from a character that they could have just written to be a stone-cold, you know, hard-boiled detective. Speaking of detective, Mabel thinks they have everything they need to watch the finale, with an invention to eat snacks without diverting their eyes from the screen that she has created. I'd just like to say, you don't, I don't think you need a device to do that. You just need the bowl in your lap and a decent enough amount of hand-eye coordination, right? Well, listen, it, it's... <laughs> Not Mabel, if she doesn't That's try to make point. it as complicated as possible for the, like, the ultimate uh, experience. I'm uh, just saying, I obliterate a pint of ice cream without breaking eye contact with the anime that I watch. Yeah, look, I'm more of a I-can't-walk-and-chew-gum type person. I get very okay. invested in my food, so I, it is very on the table for me to divert my eyes, to stare very intensely at whatever delicious food that is on my plate. Uh <laughs> Stan, though, he's also taking this seriously because he has made a taxidermy to pretend to be the duck detective, which I think is his own level of weird. It's horrifying also. <laughs> yes. Uh, downstairs, Ford and Dipper are bonding over their complication of D&D. &D. Um, 
And they talk about the wizard character who is named Probabilitor. I may get this wrong in the future and I may use it interchangeably with wizard. Um, I, I, you're right, but I wrote Probabilitizzle, which was the 90s iteration, which was a dark time. Yes, so we get this amazing montage. Apparently, at one point, they tried to use this mascot of the game, this wizard character, uh, to make the game cooler in the 90s. So this montage is diggity dungeons and all that, which may have even been a direct Nickelodeon reference. I was going to say, I'm like, are they poking at all that, the sequel to Rugrats? Or All Grown Up? Oh, wait, what was all that? I don't remember. No, all that was a live action show that came before the Amanda show, and it was like a Saturday Night Live style sketch show. Oh, yeah. um, From like the early days of Nickelodeon. Oh, Uh, yeah, that's right. That That was before my time a little bit. It was very 90s. It was even just barely before my time. It was enough to where it was on, but I probably was too young to really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Dipper says, must have been dark times, those 90s. Uh, I can't confirm. I was too young. Uh, but it, for- I, I can confirm just based on the movies and shows that were made of that era. No no dissing to you if that's your favorite era, but just look at other, <laughs> look at other ones. <laughs> Ford says, sounds like it was a good time to be stuck between dimensions. Facts. Um, which leads Dipper into asking, hey, so about that, um, I wanted to ask some questions about, you know, before you came out of the machine, what were you doing and uh, what are you working on? Uh, but Ford says, I'm not sure if anyone in this family could handle the real answer. Uh, but he distracts him a bit, pulls out, I will show you this, an infinity-sided die. Dipper's like, wow, that sounds impossible. Uh, that's so cool by the way i forgot that that was part of the game and i'm like that is sick that is so cool that is yeah why why are you not putting that behind that is so dangerous why do you have that really creative idea for a mechanic in this episode um yeah and has really cool implications and i think probably implications beyond this episode uh so at, at this point, uh, Ford is saying that this thing is outlawed in 9,000 dimensions. If you roll it, anything could happen. Faces could melt into jelly, world could turn into an egg, or you could roll an eight. Yeah. Uh, they go back to the game, though. They've got Probabilitor on the ropes, and the camera zooms into the face of Probabilitor in order to foreshadow, perhaps, some impending doom. Dun, dun. Dead d- Dungeons and Dragons are uh, Dungeons and Dungeons and Dun Dun Dun. Whatever. <laughs> dun Dungeons and Dun Dungeons and Dun Dragons. Thank you. D and D and D and D and D and D and D. Dude, it's like a gay porn. I'm just kidding. All right. Remember how I said in the last Expedition cartoon episode we recorded that I, I don't censor you as often as you would probably like? And remember in the last Steven Universe recording that we did is I put the hole in wholesome. The point that I was about to make is that none of this is getting censored. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> this is the point in the episode where if you have the ad-supported tier of Disney+, Plus, you got a commercial. Uh, ha! You got a commercial from Disney+, Plus? well, I have the, oh, ad, wait. Re- I have the another... ad included version. Yeah. Shoot, wait, is there another place you can legally watch Gravity Falls? Uh, okay, well, that's not getting censored either, so I better stop before <laughs> I have to censor something. Uh, Stan... I, I bought it a long time ago, it's on DVD, I promise. I started to say Stan, but I was wrong. Uh, Dipper, actually, after this ad, is obsessing with finishing a dungeon like a true dungeon master would. Uh, Mabel tells him, you gotta go to bed. Um, 
but he's so excited about spending this time with Uncle Ford. And you kind of see Mabel feeling a little bit jealous uh, about this situation. But it's okay, because she feels better in the morning. Uh, Grenda has come over to watch the Duck Detective finale. Uh, Good choice. Absolutely. Stan is excited. He thinks they all remember where they were when Duck Detective got shot. I remember. Um, But in the living room, Dipper and Ford are ruining these plans that all three of them are so excited for because they have taken over the room with graph paper in this game. Um, Which is pretty rude, I must say, to just so like, rude. assume that you can use. Now, granted, now granted, Ford does have a good point. This is his house. Hmm. <laughs> I think that that's a little early to be playing that card after you've been gone for this long. Good point. But it's still a good point. <laughs> it is a point. Um, A point on the graph paper. So they say that they can't leave because they've already finished with the basement and they're going for a world record. Who knows what that even means? Um, And Stan is so done. And he says, you already broke the record for nerdiest brother. And I wow. love the rebuttal here so much. Because yeah. Ford comes back and says... Oh, yeah? Well, you're watching a kid's cartoon or a kid's show. Oh, no, show. I, I wrote this exactly quote. I love this, too. At least I'm not keyed up to watch a kid's show. Hey, there's a big mystery element and humor that goes over kids' heads. So freaking good. That, like, the fourth wall of it all. Uh, that was a very it, joke. <laughs> I felt especially seen being two adults who podcast about a kid's show. I know, right? It. This is a very good show, though. I, I'm not... Not that you can't podcast about, like, more basic kids' shows, but I feel like I wouldn't. I I agree. Um, and Stan literally says, hey, big mystery element with a lot of humor that goes over kids' heads. That is what we are here to talk about. So, yes, that's love true. the self-awareness. Um, Mabel is getting worried at this point, though, about actually missing the show during this argument. Um... Stan walks up, he tries to just forcibly remove the graphs from the TV, Ford stops him, and they basically start arguing and fighting again, uh, because that is just part of the course for these two at this point. Yes. And again, this is giving us a great, like, contrast between their personalities. And and even though that was, not only was that a good joke, just because it was like a funny, self-aware joke of the show's writers, but it, it actually does show that they're more similar than they are different. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah, I agree. Because it's like, yeah, like, you're both playing with kids. And you're just having yeah. a good time being family people. At the like, end of the day, we are nerds yeah. in our own ways. Yeah, and exactly. Ford <laughs> does it in his way. Stan does it in his way. And frankly, everybody in our audience and us, we do it in our own way. Everybody has nerdiness in them. They just have to explore the pieces that bring them joy. And embrace it. Yeah, every, if you're into sports, I hate to break it to you guys. But you're still a nerd. <laughs> It's true. You're just a sports nerd. You're just and a that, sports nerd. That is also me. I'm a nerd about almost every topic. Like I just have interest in all kinds of different right. things. Like it's hard for me to not find any interest in anything. We need to get into the taxonomy of nerds now. Well, wow, that'd be interesting. I like that idea for a talk. <laughs> right. Um, well, anyway, uh, Stan says, I will never play your nerdy game. Throws down the infinity dice in anger. And that yeah. is where uh, we go. And uh, I love this as a plot element. Um, income, all of the DD&D characters. Uh, Prohibilitor introduces himself as the greatest wizard in all of mythology as he is surrounded by mythical creatures. Surrounded by like three. 
his his group if he were a character in a ragtag uh gang of dungeons and dragons characters just trying to make their way in the world yes i, I like and, it also i just had an idea uh, somebody should write a fan theory or a fan fic i guess about bill cypher deciding to use the infinity dice in his plans that would be sick okay who knows it might already be out there there's a huge Good abundance point of Gravity Falls fandom and lore out there. Um, so Dipper asks, uh, have you maybe come to take us on a quest of a lifetime because we're the smartest players you've ever met? And Wizard props him up. Like, actually, you are the smartest players. But that's why I've got to eat your brains to take all of your intelligence away. It's kind of my thing. Yeah. Oops. So I mean, sorry. that honestly makes sense, though. It does. It's also a fun idea for a D&D character if you're trying to play a less noble group, which is a lot of people's style. Interesting. I like being a hero. I don't... I'm sure I wouldn't. <laughs> Wizard... The, I just wrote his name as Wizard. Probabilitor from DD and D&D and D&D. Uh, combats <laughs> Ford's gun with a math ray uh, and says he is not here to play games. So he takes Ford and Dipper and brings them through the sky with all of his DD and D&D and D buddies. Uh, Mabel says, oh shoot, we gotta stop them. And Stan's like, well, actually, maybe it's a good idea if they he eats their brains. Maybe just, you know, even things out smartness-wise. Which is a pretty funny joke. And when you really think about the emotional, like, turmoil between these two, it's like, sometimes jokes like that, I feel like, ah, you just said that because it was funny. No, I would literally believe this character saying that and almost half suggesting it for real. Uh, totally agree. I loved it. Um, <laughs> he's like, all right, fine. We can go on an epic quest. Uh, so he, Mabel, and Grenda gear up and storm the forest. Um, Mabel, make sure to mention we are save we are here to save Dipper, Ford, and maybe that hot elf if he has anything if to do with it. he happens us. to have anything to do with it. It is true, people. We have a character called Hot Elf, which is literally uh, said by the wizard in the very next scene. Yeah, um, 100% as... modeled after Legolas from Lord of the Rings. For sure. Probabilitor is planning to eat their brains despite the threats from Ford, so he goes ahead uh, wizard, <laughs> goes ahead Probabilitor the wizard from D&D and D&D &D &D. uh, <laughs> asks the Hot Elf he says, hey Hot Elf, can you bring the brain cooking pot? Uh, so, the, so hot elf, <laughs> hot elf, the, the friend of Probabilitor prob the wizard from DD and D&D, &D, uh, lets their hair flow in the wind and warms up a pot with a flaming arrow. Um, ha. I'd like to see the hot elf's flaming arrow. Okay, sorry. And Stan, Mabel, and Grenda are getting closer in the forest. They even step on a fairy on their way through. <laughs> And they are stopped by an ogre of some kind who says, hey, you're trespassing on the ancient forest of Probabilitor the wizard. Uh, which, last I checked, this is still the Gravity Falls forest. Since when does this belong? Hey, to they're, role, they're role playing. It's part of the game. Don't worry about it. You're right. That's the easiest way to think this through. Thank you. Uh -huh. um, but if you, if you plan on finding the wizard, you must complete seven unworldly quests, each more difficult than the last. I felt like uh, they were referencing Adventure Time with that one, to be honest. Okay, I feel like it's just the generic, oh, D&D, &D, you're here to solve a quest, nerd. Maybe, maybe. But we just saw that, uh, it just sounded so similar to the read from the Gatekeeper in the Enchiridion episode we just watched on our channel. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, even so, uh, it's none of it matters because Greta just hits him in the head, knocks him out, and he falls. Which is uh, so sick, by the way. I feel like every time Grenda's in the show, she does more than half of the family. <laughs> That's true. She is a warrior. She's built for this uh, episode and DD in general. She just knocked out a troll with a with a. She like literally hoisted a huge rock overhead and just went dunk and knocked him out. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's awesome, but Mabel's worried that he's actually dead. Uh, <laughs> I think Stan was pretty convinced he was dead and said, this is between us. We're going to bury the body and no one will know about it. Yeah, he's like, he's magic, sweetie. He'll be fine. And then secretly to Grenda, he's like, there's no cops in the forest. We take this to our graves. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Which is also a great line and something I totally believe. That's the thing. Every joke that's done in this is never just like a joke that any character would say. They're all character specific jokes. And I think that that's really important for the writing and development of the show. I'd agree. Uh, back in the forest, the wizard asks a math problem, uh, which I didn't even bother writing down because it was very complicated. And he was really just trying to troll. He's like, oh, how many brains would you have if I ate your brains and how your family would feel about how I ate your brains? Huh? Yeah, a little bit. More or less what it is. Um, but luckily, Mabel storms through the forest and the wizard is shocked. How did you make it past my one guard? Yeah, that was a pretty good line. Also very D&D energy. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I mean, it's not usually one guard, but it is like, okay, the guards are just there to, like, temporarily stall the characters. The DM yeah. kind of throws them in there just as uh, an obstacle so that they have a chance to fight during the episode. That's um, So the wizard says, all right, all right. Only one way to save your family. You have to beat me at Dungeons, Dungeons, and Dungeons Real Life Edition. It is my characters versus yours. Okay, I just want to say th that Grunkle Stan, like, being like, you know, ah, oh, that's for nerds or whatever he says. And Probabilitor's retort just, ah, oh, come on, it's fun. My mom packed me a lunch. Like, it was really funny. I love it. <laughs> it's like, it is fun. You just have to be willing to, like, really get in there and enjoy yourself. You know, you you can't just walk in and kind of not want to be there. And, you know, but, but oh, trust me, if you're in. there, There is a line that we forgot to go over earlier that actually means that, that was referring to that. When Grunkle, when the stands were fighting, uh, or when the, when they, when the, <laughs> when the pine, when the pine twins, I can't even say the pine twins. Who are these people? When the stands pines twins from DD and D&D &D who are feuding <laughs> with Probellator the wizard. When, when when they were fighting earlier in the house still, um, you could see that Ford kind of like tensed up like he was going to get really mad and like blow up on him. And then he relaxed and said, you know what, Stan, what if you just played with us? Maybe it would be a fun time. You know what That's I mean? Why... And actually that release of tension was, I think, really well put. And it really gave a good setting for where we're going with this plot line. It's true because Stan does kind of start to get a little bit interested here. Um basically Probabilitor cast a spell. He turns Ford and Dipper into these small elvish characters. Um, and he brings in a floating dungeon map. So if you've ever been a dungeon master before, played D&D, &D, uh, you know that this uh, dungeon map is sort of where your characters will move through spaces to try to engage in a battle. Um, I didn't even and... know this was a real thing. I, 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 I pretty much stopped taking notes here because I was just like, 
wow, this 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 adventure sequence is really creative and fun. I'll bet there's way more specific notes that you have in the sequence than I had any idea were even going on. Well, certain dungeon masters will go harder on making an elaborate dungeon map. If you ever watch Critical Role, they have the budget to make wild maps for every single session, and it's very totally. cool. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, Stan is resisting at first. He's like, gosh, this looks so nerdy. Um, but like you said, uh, the wizard is kind of talks him into it, and Stan's like, all right, just tell me the rules. Um it's a battle royale. The players help the characters by casting spells determined by dice rolls. If they win, they get their family back. And if the wizard wins, he gets to eat the family's brains. And uh, I think that the fact that it's a deal is what really starts to get Stan interested. Because Dippers has a news like... A DD and deal? Yeah, DDDD, DDD and deal. King DDDDDDD. It'd be like if the announcer of Super Smash Bros. had a stutter. Uh, well, this uh, episode, you're getting all the D. Uh, Stan says, it is a deal. Let the game begin. Uh, wizard. <laughs> wizard. Prob- Sorry, I prob- can't get over that joke. <laughs> Probabilitor the oh wizard God. rolls a dice. And two, gob- two ogres, not goblins. I started writing them down as goblins until they were confirmed to me later to be ogres. Uh, <laughs> two, two ogres start attacking. Dude, this is such a silly episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not. This is ridiculous. I, I don't mean the episode of the show. I mean our episode. This is more fun to talk about than it was to watch. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> That's the glory of communing over a show. Am I right? <laughs> uh, all right. Um. So if Stan wasn't already sold by the idea of making a deal, he starts to get sold when Dipper says, you can make this up. Ford is like, I, I told you this game involves math, but it also involves risk and imagination. It is the word risk for Stan. It is the word imagination for Mabel. And they yes. are both invested. The level of investment that you need to play a four-hour weekly campaign of Dungeons, Dungeons, and more Dungeons. I, an element of risk. Imagination is the one that actually gets me. Truth be told, is there really that much risk? Oh yeah, it's like RNG. There's totally risk. Yeah, okay, actually, great quote from uh, a player of D&D in Critical Role that I really liked. People forget that this is a fake reality, and you have nothing to lose by just taking wild swings sometimes. I think sometimes people take it too seriously, and they're trying to make the smartest decision at every turn. But Stan, actually, I like what he's doing here. The game is fun for a lot of people because you're taking swings, as long as you're not inhibiting the enjoyment of other people by doing something, like, completely out of left field all the time. So, Um, like... So, like, theoretically, did you know that you can, like, learn how to roll dice in a way that you can, if you're good enough at it, you can pretty much guarantee the same number is going to show up? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I I feel like there's... <laughs> that, uh, I don't know about that, honestly. I'm just saying it lowers the risk if you, re- if you get really good at it. Just sit in your room for a few hours and keep tossing the dice until you can, like, hit a 90% ratio on the number you're looking for. And you're, I have you're not good. heard of this, and I'm not sure how much I believe it. Oh, um, you can find a YouTube tutorial. Now, granted, I was looking on a regular four-sided, uh, however many sided dice the regular ones are. I don't know if it would... I mean, like, a normal dice for most oh, people. Oh, like a six-sided dice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, I can kind of understand how you could practice rolling a six-sided dice and get better, but a D20, that'd be tough. Yeah, that's probably a little bit harder. But you could do it for a six-sided dice and get kicked out of Vegas pretty quick. Fair. Uh, speaking of getting kicked out of Vegas, we have Grunkle Stan here, who is very excited about, uh, what is about to happen, finally. Uh, 
they get into it right away by Stan casting a shield of shielding. Uh, because, as it turns out, they can just make this up as they go. He rolls. Um, Mabel gives them giggle time bouncy boots. Them being Ford and Dipper. Uh, and then a super hot flamey sword. Uh, and you start to see, oh, this is kind of fun. Okay, we're into this. Um, the wizard combats with an ogre nato. Uh, but not for long, because Mabel sends out the centaur tar in DDD&D. Shout out to our centaur world fans. <laughs> That's literally what I thought of when this happened. Me too. Uh, How could we not? <laughs> our, the show that helped us grow on YouTube, Centaur World. Uh, yeah. Love it. Um, and every animal has a tar. You could have a penguin tar, a giraffe tar, a... Uh, a tar tar tar. In Dungeons yeah, and like, Dungeons and Dungeons and <laughs> Dungeons, 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 Dungeons. Tar, tar, tar. So anyway, this centaur tar is a <laughs> is a body of a centaur with another body of a different centaur flipped inverse on top. So there's no head; it's just two the, bodies. Yeah. So they kind of roll, yeah, and the keep the their feet straight. The body. Great idea, honestly. It is fun. Um, Stan turns to Mabel. I'm so confused and so proud. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, Ford and Dipper run away on the centaur tar and successfully knock out the ogres. Um, but, unfortunately, that is not the end because we have the Beast. Ford thought they banned this character, but no. Probabilitor is playing the controversial 1991-92 edition, which I bet is actually an even funnier Inside Dungeons & Dragons joke that even went over my head. There probably That's is a controversial edition. I also couldn't help but say, is that the one with probabilitizzle? I mean, honestly, it is the 90s. So... It was the 90s! <laughs> you never know. Ford tells Mabel that this is the most powerful monster in the game, and he can only be defeated by rolling a perfect 38, which definitely does feel a little bit game-breaking, if I'm thinking as a game designer. I was gonna uh, say, I'm like, that sounds like some BS. <laughs> uh... Stan says, long odds are what you want when you're a world-class gambler. And he rolls. Pop, he says, Papa needs a new pair of twins, which I do not know how I feel about. <laughs> that was a funny joke for a lot of reasons. For all kinds of reasons. I don't want to get into it, too. Um, <laughs> I mean, one of so, which being, if he fails this role, he, he will to replace with Mabel and Dipper to give back to the parents. You feel me? Yeah, I think that they are in some danger here. And uh, Stan, though, he does roll the 38. Because uh, he says smarts are no match for dumb luck. Which I also think is a funny D&D joke. And also true. Well, we find out that he cheated, though. Well, that's... Which, in my opinion, was the smartest thing that he could have possibly done. That's a good point. It's the dumbest luck you can think of. Cheating. And in this case, I do not hold it against him whatsoever. Your family is in danger. Like, this yeah. is the way you save them, and you do it. Of course you cheat. Like, it's barely even cheating. I would call this very much fair game for, you know, you it's surviving. Barely, I mean, granted, the fact that you pulled out a creature that only a level 38 could be... Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, come on. The wizard cheated by using the controversial 1991-92 edition. That's a good point. Uh, That's a good point. So, like, I think it's cheating just to have a monster like that in the game in the first place. So, uh, Stan just leveled the odds. Does it say explicitly, explicitly in the rulebook that you can't rig the dice? I didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even see the rulebook, so who am I to say? Exactly. Uh, yeah, he put gum on the dice. That's how it happened. And uh, the wizard sort of vanishes 
uh, along with the group. Yeah, the, the not not our group, his group. Yeah, I should have mentioned that uh, there was a griffin. Oh, that yeah. was the one mention of the, gri the griffin. I, I don't cool. think that the griffin did anything until yeah. like the end credit scene. That's fair. And maybe, I guess the griffin was there to make them fly away into the forest. That was probably the main reason for the mechanism. Oh, and at the very end, uh, also, the hot elf says, Excelsior or whatever. Oh, that's right. And Worth sort of uh, disappears with everybody else. Oh, and we find out that Grenda, who has been absent for this entire sequence, was just hugging the hot elf the whole time. Yes. Sorry, not the hot elf. Hot elf. Correct. Gotta make sure that that's clear. Um, so Mabel says, okay, that actually was fun for ages 8 to 80. Uh, and yeah. Stan apologizes for making fun of Dipper's game, uh, which is, this is actually a sweet moment. He says, all right, it's too nerdy for me, but it's just right the right amount for you and my brother. And uh, it's okay if you two want to hang out sometimes. Uh, also, see, again, this episode's really important because that is, like, that. that's crucial that they sort of, I guess the Dipper feels like he has permission to get to know Ford better. Yeah, and and also I think that there's a very cool, like, it, I think that there was an element of Stan being like, all right, I do trust you to not, like, actually hurt my family. You know what I mean? Like, that's it's very understated, but I think that that's a really big deal, too. Yes. Uh, and I liked that it touched on the theme that we already talked about of find your different ways to be nerdy, like whatever resonates with you. I feel like Stan kind yeah. of got that at the end. And even if you, even if you find out that some activity that someone you're close to isn't the thing for you, still give it a chance just to figure out what, what they're about, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and after all this, Dipper says he could use some mindless fun. So Grenda recommends, hey, how about the second showing of Ducktective? And they get to watch it after all. Woo! And you know what we find out about Duck Detective? Tell us. Who could have shot Duck Detective? The only one smart enough to best Duck Detective is... <gasps> Duck Detective! And then he has an evil twin brother. And all of the... Everybody reacting to the show was literally like oh are you kidding me it's just an evil twin that's so stupid seuss is like i predicted that like six years ago yeah it's like a twin twist but not necessarily evil just a twin twist terrible sloppy writing atrocious yeah that was pretty funny and yeah. I, i'm sure that there was like some review debate going on at the time of whether or not that was a good reveal you know I, well, I will say, I, it does seem like it comes out of left field, but if you're paying attention, I'm sure there's tons of foreshadowing. Well, and frankly, they would not have been able to predict whether that debate existed or whether it didn't, because this episode literally came out two episodes after. It was already fully done and produced. Oh, really? Uh, I, sometimes they do, like, middle... Like, I feel like there was a break after the, after the reveal. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but... It takes so long to animate and put these things together. Like it, that's fair. Last minute changes are possible, um, but I, I'm very confident that they threw this in, joking because they just assumed that fans would see it as uh, controversial, and they were maybe trying to poke some fun, or they were just poking fun at themselves. Like I'm sure they believed in their own twist enough to. That's uh, fair. I think it was a good idea. That's a good point. They might have just been like, ah, this is kind of a lame thing to do. <laughs> yeah, so, uh. Anyway, uh, they're, after the show is kind of done, we do get Dipper and Ford in one last scene. Uh, Ford decides to lock away the Infinity Dice, but he tells Dipper, it'll be here if you ever need it. And Dipper's like, really? Like, after I, I caused all that mess? 
but Ford says, well, we both got carried away. And, you know, I think we've both gone a little while without a friend. Which is really um, cute. It is. Uh, Ford decides to show Dipper what he's been working on after all. Uh, like you mentioned earlier in the episode, he is dismantling the portal. Um, and even though Stan used it to save him, the instability of the machine created an interdimensional rift. So Ford has kind of created this little invention to contain this rift in like a little glass ball. Um, and he said that even though Stan used the portal to save him, you know, it's still hell dangerous. The instability of this machine literally created a rift. Um, so he does not believe that it is contained permanently with what he has created, but it's a start. Um, and he asks Dipper not to tell anybody, even Stan or Mabel. I think in real time, I was a little bit distrustful of Ford in this moment when he said that, actually. Yeah. I remember I was just sketched because I'm like, wait, where's Bill? He should be around right now. What, what, what's what's going on with him? And the fact that they didn't give me any Bill really made me... Uh, yeah, I also was kind of a little bit sketch, sketched out, you know? Because I'm like, well, wait a minute. I know he's been around. I'm sure if I watched the episode from the beginning, I'd even see a reference to him being around somewhere, you know? So let me ask you something. Uh, we're trying to keep this spoiler-free as we go. There is something in Journal 3 that is written prior to this episode, but I feel like might answer a, that question a little bit. Do you feel like that is too spoilery to share? I don't remember what you're talking about. <laughs> right, I'm just going to tell people because they already want to hear it after I brought it up. Um, That's fair. So basically, Journal 3 has some information about... Um, a little bit more information about this invention that uh, Ford has created. So, oh, yes, 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 yes. We learn that it sounds like mocking laughter when you hold it up to your ear. Uh, yes. He mentions that he could really use Fiddleford, his old friend McGucket's, help in stabilizing the base of it because he was having issues with that. But he says that when he asked about Fiddleford to see how he was doing, everybody in the room abruptly changed the subject. So he does not know uh, what has happened to McGucket at this point. And, and then, doesn't it have, like, a full blueprint, too, that you can, like, open up? Yeah, it does. There's, like, a whole, like, a blue... I mean, it's not a real blueprint. It's just, like, a section of it. But it looks like there's a a blue... At least part of a blueprint. I wonder if you could put this together with, like, different books and make a full blueprint. Sure. So, to be honest, I'm not sure about the blueprint that you're looking at. I'm only talking about what was in the section for immediately before this episode. Oh. Um, and, basically, Ford says... The world is safe from Bill Cipher for as long as the rift remains contained, uh, is what huh. he writes. Um, but he says he doesn't think the device can hold the forces forever. And he reflects on how he ruined friendships with Fiddleford and his brother by sharing his burdens with them. Uh, and he writes, I brought Bill Cipher into this world. I'm going to take him out. So... That is very important. And it's also interesting to me because he wrote this before the DD&D episode. And he, yeah. at, at that moment, was feeling like my burdens ruined my friendships. And he decided to share this with Dipper anyway. Um, and maybe he finally realized that sharing my burdens was not the reason that my friendships failed. I think that's a total misread, miscalculation on his part. Um but I, I was still surprised after reading that, that he decided to ultimately share it. Um, and he didn't share anything about Bill Cipher, though, like you mentioned. And it seems as though that was for a reason, because he has a plan to get him out of there. Yes. And there is a blueprint. 
but it's got other spoilers in it that we probably won't talk about until next time. Sounds good. I'll also mention that uh, he was inspired to create the glass part of it by uh, the snow globes in Stan's gift shop and mentioned that that's why Mabel can never see this thing because she might treat it like she treats the other snow globes in the shack. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so that pretty much uh, covers not only Journal 3, but the episode. We do um, see Ford lock away the the object the the rift at the very end but we see the camera zoom into it which i do feel like is again foreshadowing saying this is going to rear its head as if that's a surprise uh and then we get a terrific end credit scene <laughs> you remember it is the larpers or oh, the that's right that's right larpers whatever the, yeah. the actual acronym was that's um, right that's and <laughs> so we we've got four people in this crew it is Seuss, it is Toby Determined, the reporter, and then it's yep. the two cops. Uh, yeah. I think it's, oh gosh, Blubs and Durland. Well, I think you're right. Durland says, does anyone think we use this activity to escape from our lives and avoid the self-improvement that we all need to grow as people? <laughs> Blurbs, or Blubs looks at him. He's like, you're a fortress, Durland. You can't speak. Fortresses <laughs> can't speak. I'm a fortress. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, then a hawk carries away. I think it's the Griffin, actually. Yeah, the, the Griffin, Griffin carries away Toby, uh, and none of them decide to rescue him. And they're like, "Ah, oh, no, nah, I'm pretty tired for the day." I mean, after a whole day of LARPing, it's pretty, pretty confusing. So pretty let tiring. me say this: it is possible that some LARPers do this and others do not. It is not LARPing that causes this. It is uh, these things are mutually exclusive. No, uh, I I think that uh, honestly, you could make I, people have been saying that about arts, art, artsy kinds of people since the dawn of time. You know, I mean, now in our society, yeah. people consider reading to be something that intellectuals do, but you know, back at, if you were caught reading poetry or writing a book when you were in school in the twenties, they would have called you, oh, you're such a frivolous arts mind. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, it's it's just you know, pe people like to dismiss any creative activity that they don't see as part of our economic standpoint in this hard-line society, you know, whatever doesn't fit that mold, people like to pretend is just frivolous escapism, where people are just, like, you know, completely hiding from their lives, and, like, sure, not that people can't use it for that, but I think it's ridiculous to think that even if they did, it would even work. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting, and it's, like, at, at the end of the day, I, I would say that engaging this activity in some ways is a way to grow as people and get like the social Absolutely. element that you're looking for right yeah um, like because think about it if you have problems in your in your life they're probably going to come out and manifest in a social setting so like if you're forced to always be in a social setting you're probably going to be forced with having to face those issues and work on them more than if you were just hanging out at home by yourself yeah um now i'll say that with the caveat that i definitely have been part of uh groups where i felt like oh these people are just doing this to have an extra awesome thing to add to their lives and then i've been in it where it did feel like it was an odd coping mechanism that was a little bit uncomfortable for me oh uh, whoa i want to hear that story you well no nah, I, I did not try and do uh you know share anything more about that but um i i laughed at the joke anyway because i even though i don't subscribe to it as a rule uh i the stereotype I think can has been true in the past. So that's uh, fair. 
I, I feel I, like yeah. from my experiences with all the weird stuff that I've been into in my life, most people tend to experience, like tend to enhance their lives through whatever thing people are saying is escapism. And maybe every once in a while, people will use it purely for escapism. But when you get to know that person, you understand why they do that. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and that's the thing is sometimes it's a coping mechanism and i i guess the idea there's, there's is a lot to cope with like living right. is hard <laughs> right right exactly um but look if you're if this is your coping mechanism it's honestly not too bad no though i would recommend our show is your number one coping mechanism <laughs> so make sure that you leave a five-star review hit the like button if that's a thing where you're listening and support us as creators we had the doctor from Gravity Falls confirm that we are, in fact, therapists. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> that is a callback to an earlier episode. Please do not take that. I uh, think in-therapy is not the same thing, but I'll take it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, who got your uh, points this episode, bro? Um. Okay, so I was going to give two to Ford right off the bat. I want Ford to have my two again. Okay. Um. Because there's a couple reasons. Number one, I actually think the way that he has been portrayed is actually truly a lot more mature and uh, honest in a way. Like, I know that I value Stan for who he is, too. But the way that Ford kind of... It honestly, it was mostly for just that one scene where he releases his fist and just says, You know, Stan, maybe we could do this together and you might have some fun and understand where I'm coming from. You know, I really, really love that so much. That little bit hit so far hard for me. And then my other point goes to Mabel for Quack. I'm not kidding you. I actually went with the exact same rankings this time. Wow. Well, part of it was because, I, again, I had a stressful week and I was in need of some relief. And Mabel provided that for me. So I had no complaints about it. Here's the thing. I, I felt like Mabel was the one character through the entire episode who was honestly never in the wrong. She was just there to have a good time. And I loved that. Totally. You're right. She never was in the wrong. I mean, she even she even pushed Grenda and Stan to go save Ford when neither of them probably would have on their own accord. 100% true. Um, and I also, because Ford is lagging is part of the reason I wanted to give him the two. I think that, he, you know, he made some mistakes here. I think it was not cool of him to just take over the house and, you know, take the joy away from the other people. But I also yeah. saw it as, this is why he got my two points. I almost saw it like somebody rediscovering their childhood again after feeling like it was locked away for a really long time and him just being bursting at the seams with joy and not being able to contain it and sort of shutting out the rest of the world. And I liked that. That's actually. really sweet. I, I like that too. Yeah. I thought that Stan gave me like everything I like from a character. He had the wholesome element. He had the intelligence, maturity, you know, like he, he seems like a really mindful guy and, and so much character when this is our second time literally ever seeing him. You said Stan and you meant Ford. God damn it. I, I'm telling you people, I can't, I can't do this with the twins. This is, this was a terrible idea. You know, Stanford from DD and D and D and D and also Stanford University from California. DD and damn it. <laughs> That's right. That's, that should be the name of our episode. Yeah, I like it. Uh, <laughs> I've never gone with anything that creative. Maybe I'll put it in the description. Um, <laughs> So I realized, I guess we're going to need to add something to Journal 4. Um, do you want to talk about if wizards can be real?
You're thinking. I am. Um, I think we have to put a definition on wizard because I, I guess magic. Have we talked about magic already or witches or something like that? Um, I think that we've probably talked a little bit about magic. I don't know if witches or wizards specifically uh, ha has been in the equation. I gotta be honest, I kind of do. Because I feel like there's actually... There, there are some cases of people who like, like Nostradamus and like uh, Tesla and, you know, certain figures throughout history that I think there's been a sort of mystique formed around their name, you know, because they were like so evolved in terms of technology or, you know, or they just wrote in a way that people maybe didn't understand. Um, I'll, I'll include witches in this too, just to, just cause like, that's also a thing. And I took a class in college called, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Su witchcraft superstition and religion and uh witches are very much an accepted reality in uh, a lot of different places in africa actually okay. and you know curses are a real thing and in you know there there are studies that find that if somebody gets cursed in those societies they will start exhibiting symptoms okay. of the curse so we have talked about curses now that is that reminded me and okay you, yeah you did say this so i guess um we we talked a lot about there was some potentially placebo element even though it was a reality um now so so i guess then this i see is a little bit different i see this as a hmm do i see this as different so Maybe so here's here's an example go hand right? in hand what is chemistry but wizards playing with alchemical potions? Uh, okay, that's true. You know what I mean? They, they have a, access to information that most common people know nothing about. They usually are practicer, pra practitioners of science, right, in some sort of way. And, you know, if we're talking about, like, alchemy being something that's accessible to wizards... I mean, some of the stuff that chemists have created are absolutely mind blowing. I can I can attest. And um, wow, are you saying, Lou, that we have had magic in this world for a long time and have just never called it that? Because the moment that it became reality, we stopped deeming it as magic. Absolutely, that is exactly what I'm claiming. Hundred percent. Wow, this is fascinating to me, actually. Because um, I mean, all yeah, all magic is is a system of some sort of science that's just not understood to most people. Okay, so metaphysics. Okay, philosophy, Luke, it's coming out here. Uh, oh you know, you know, meta, you know what metaphysics literally meant when it was, when it was written? Um, I don't know what it meant to physics. So, era, I think it was Aristotle, one of the original Greek philosophers, I'm pretty sure it was Aristotle. He wrote a book called Physics, and it was a complete compilation of all known science and physics. It was a full taxonomy of everything that we knew was true, which, I mean, there were a lot of things that were wrong at the time and were changed later, obviously, as science predicts. But then there was all of the theoretical physics that we didn't know were true and were maybe true. And you know what it was called? Metaphysics. Magic. Metaphysics. Okay, got and it. And what it literally meant was next to physics. Okay, this is interesting. So metaphysics being the unknown is equivalent in your mind to what we may think of as magic. Yeah, and like it's it's essentially just systems of science that we don't understand yet. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that could be considered magic. Like, uh, man, there's so so many experiences I wish I could talk more about. But could I relate this to sociology for a second? Bring yeah. in my field. So in 
positive psychology and sociology, uh, we have this thing called hedonic adaptation. Yeah. And it's the idea, which I may have talked about in the past, that if somebody is happy, they re- they've been working on a goal that has brought them some joy. They reach the goal. Awesome. Super happy. Then they settle into the new lifestyle that has resulted having achieved this goal. So the happiness that they felt leading up to it and then getting it eventually starts to fade. And you yep. call that hedonic adaptation because you now settle into the baseline of what your life is. Correct. The, a um, good example practically is if you're used to sleeping on a concrete floor, sleeping in a feather bed is like the craziest luxury, right? A little bit. That's that's like Pierre Bardot's idea of uh, habitus. habitus. Yeah, um, that, that is what I'm they, are, they have very similar connective tissue. Um, but uh, what I'm thinking here and what I find interesting about this discussion about wizards or magic is that in some ways we have magic, we discover it, and then we adapt to feel like magic is no longer real. When in fact, magic was real, we just have a name for it now. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the best examples is if you took a time machine and you went back with something as simple to us as a light bulb or a phone and you said, oh, hey, I've got this device that you can talk to people across the world and it doesn't, it's not connected to anything. It's just here. They'd burn you for being a witch. Wow. Uh, so wizards and witches, by that definition, I think 10 out of 10. I mean, yeah. And for me, what a wizard is, is just, um, what I consider a true scientist, which is not just somebody who's gotten their degree in science. They know a lot about science, but they pretty much just do like regular work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And somebody who actually tests new theories and is actively searching for answers to questions that we don't know. That's what a wizard is, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. Uh, we have really run the gambit today. Uh, this, yeah. was, this was wild. Um, and and everybody, all... if you're wondering if I'm including like supernatural abilities such as telepathy, teleportation, stuff like that. Yeah, I am. We just don't know enough about it yet. I, 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 I encompass all of those potential things being in the land of wizards. I have read some people who have tried to study things like dream science and telepathy, and I've had even a tell, I won't get into it, but I had a, tel- a telepathy, whatever, experience myself one time, and I know it's possible. And there are people out there that are practicing how to actually study those things in a academic setting that'll be taken seriously that, you know, can be regurgitated through, you know, rigorous experimentation. That's what wizard is to me. Wow. That's what wizard is to me. Everybody, this podcast is brought to you by the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. has lots of other rewatches of shows and movies. You can find more of Lou and I by watching Just a Rose Cartoon Theater on YouTube. Follow us on social media. Links are in the description. Uh, Five-star iTunes reviews or whatever platform you listen on. Thanks to Tessa Scarborough for the cover art. Treat for those of you who decided to uh, wait until the end and not skip. Did you know that The Wizard was voiced by Weird Al Yankovic? The Wizard? In what? The Wizard in this episode of Gravity Falls. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Fun fact. All right. If anybody tells me later, hey, the wizard was voiced, I know that you didn't stick around till the very end. To be fair, I I usually stop when the credits roll for my favorite podcast. So no judgment. Wow. I always wait for the bits because the good content creators like us always have bits at the end. (laughs) You never know. All right. Everybody, uh, special episode coming for the next one. Uh, We'll see you all in two weeks. Follow and find your magic on me.